Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. The Los Angeles Lakers are now one win away from raising championship banner number 17. At the time of recording this, we are one day away from the Lakers' potential game four win, game five win, fourth win of the NBA Finals. Daniel, last game, it was a uh, it was a tough one. It was a close one. It was a nerve-wracking one. Lakers up 3-1. That's all that matters. How are you feeling? Uh, I feel pretty good. Even though the Lakers didn't have the greatest game in game four, uh, you know, a win's a win, so I'll take it. But I'd like to see them come out with a little bit more fire in Game 5. You know, they got one game left here, and they get to get out of the bubble, go home, see their families, and, uh, you know, have that Larry O'Brien trophy in their possession. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it wasn't pretty. Um, Like you just said, too, the Lakers didn't play their best basketball. But I cannot overstate the difference between a 3-1 series lead and a 2-2 series. Um, Even though we already gave the Miami Heat the Dunn chain earlier in the series, we'll touch on that later in the pod. Uh, 2-2 series is still very scary. Anything can happen at that point. 3-1, a little tougher. Um, the Heat are a great team. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason why they're here. But the chances of them beating the Los Angeles Lakers three games in a row, uh, that's slim. Plus, you got to realize LeBron's thinking about going home to his family. And I keep seeing on Twitter, I think I just missed the joke. Everyone's talking about how LeBron's going to go home and, like, uh, he's going to – Bronny's going to get in trouble. Like, LeBron's yeah. going to go home and, and whoop <laughs> him or whatever. Like, what did Bronny do? I missed this. Uh, he got caught smoking weed. Oh, <laughs> so everybody's saying that Bronny's gonna get his, uh, you know, his, his butt tail kicked. beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw, yeah. I saw a meme where it was Bronny talking to Jimmy Butler, and it was like, "Hey, can you drop forty, you know, to delay my dad coming home or whatever?" <laughs> I saw that too. Oh my god, that was so funny. Yeah, he accidentally like posted a on his Instagram a video of him smoking weed, and then he deleted it like immediately after. How does? So was he with people or? Like, do, I did think you he see the by video? himself. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I don't know how these, like, you know, rich athletes and celebrities are handling, you know, COVID and whatnot. But I would assume they were they just kind of bunker down in their giant mansions and they're just, you know, doing their thing there. So, you know, I don't know. LeBron's not there. So, you know, he's the man of the house and he was uh, doing some illegal substances for, for a minor. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, well, LeBron's playing like he wants to go home and teach him a lesson because uh, another great game, I think. Second quiet game from AD. LeBron might have cemented finals MVP. We'll see what happens in game five. Um, what do you think? Right now, through four games, who do you got winning finals MVP if the Lakers win in game five? I'd probably give it to LeBron just because of kind of, you know, reputation more so. I think AD will get more chances to do it later on. Um, see, it's not something I really care about. I don't know if you care about it at all. Like, not I really. really just care about the finals win. Yeah. Um, it's just I see everybody always gives Steph Curry like, you know, crap for not winning finals MVP because Kevin Durant's there. Like, yeah, I don't know why that argument exists. Like, it's pretty dumb. Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, though. I've definitely like used that argument just to like in arguments just to kind of annoy like with Steph or, uh, you know, certain other players. I don't want to mention here on a Lakers podcast, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I could see it being LeBron. I mean, I thought it was AD up and up until you know two games ago, but he's kind of had two quiet games. Um, the Heat, though, man, like we said, the Lakers didn't play great. The Heat, they came out, they did what they do, uh, kind of just that gritty game, stuck around these kind of games that we've seen him win all postseason. 
Uh, they got some more contributions. I mean, Bam was back, but we had Duncan Robinson with 17, Tyler Hero with 21. Um, it wasn't the Jimmy Butler show, and we kind of said that it wasn't going to be the Jimmy Butler show again. That was not, you know, that was an anomaly. Um, what did you think of their supporting cast? Do you think this is something that's sustainable, or like, are you worried at all about their supporting cast getting hot? No, not really. I'm not really too worried. And the reason why is because the Heat kind of do this thing where they spread the the ball out a little bit more. Like Bam got his 15. You mentioned Hero and Robinson. Like they all combine together for what is that? 75 points. Uh, and you math. know they're not going to get much outside of that. Yeah. Like with the Lakers, you know you're going to get 25 to 30 from LeBron and, and AD, and they can easily pick up 20 more outside of that. Like it's yeah. not hard. Yeah. It seems like they're either having games where they're the Jimmy Butler show or they're spreading the ball so thin that nobody really has a chance to go off. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I don't really, I'm not really too afraid of it. I think Jimmy Butler is going to come out really hot in game five, but I think it's going to get to the point where nobody else is really supporting them because they're not given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler, we said before the series, you know, we're both kind of J-Butt guys. Uh, we think he's underrated, you know, great competitor and everything. Um, and just, you know, even though he didn't have a great night on the box score, I don't want to say he didn't have a great night. He still almost had a triple-double. Even though he didn't have another 40-point triple-double, which we kind of said is what he needs to win. Um, he's just, his intensity, his will to win, uh, you know, he was just kind of dragging. I don't want to say dragging, but the leader of this team, you know, kind of leading the heat to stay in this game and potentially even it up. But I got to give kudos to AD. There was the report that came out that AD says he has to stick to Jimmy Butler 100% of the time when he's out there after Jay Butt scored 40 in game four or game three, excuse me. Um, mm -hmm. And he, he played better defense on him. We didn't see Jimmy Butler, you know, burn, burning past him, getting to the rim. He didn't have as many free throws as game three, game four, game three, game three. Um, <laughs> it was yeah. a great defensive performance. And that's what I love about AD, just stepping up and being like, look, you know, we saw LeBron do it with Jamal Murray last series. Now this series, we see AD stepping up and be like, look, this is my guy, you know, let me defend him. So I like to see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Man, I, I feel like the Lakers are taking care of, you know, what they got to do on defense, allowing just 96 points in, uh, oh, yeah. in game four. That's pretty solid. I just like to see the offense pick it up a little bit more. I'd like to see them take care of the ball. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they're having these nights that they're kind of getting away with in game two. 19 turnovers game three 19 turnovers and then uh, in game four they had 15 yeah i mean those are not exactly numbers you'd like to see they did better with taking care of the ball down the stretch uh in game four i mean it's just you know lebron has been careless with his passing a little bit but when yeah. the ball's in your hands so often you know you can't really place that much blame on uh, lebron james only i feel like just sometimes they like to have this insanely great ball movement like best you've ever seen and then at other times you're like what are they doing like they just have no <laughs> offensive plan um but overall you know i think that's just one of the things they got to take care of i think i think they will i think they'll come out in game five and be just fine well yeah and all the shooting metrics you know were just fine i mean 44 percent from the field maybe see that a little bit higher but i'll take that uh 36 from three 35.9 i'll round up to 36 that's definitely passable for the Lakers. Uh, only 39 attempts, which I like. They weren't in the high 40s, low 50s. I don't think they ever got to the low 50s, but they weren't in the, the mid to high 40s, which is good. Took about nine less uh, three-pointers, which we said they need to do. Um, 18 of 21 from the free-throw line, so they hit down all their free-throws. Um, not all, but great. LeBron, 10 of 12 from the free-throw line. That's fantastic for him. Um, so they shot the ball fairly well. It, like you said, it was just kind of boiled down to the turnovers, really. Um, and that's something, like mm -hmm. you said, th they'll clean up. I'm, I'm confident that they will. So, KCP, I want to talk about him a little bit, Daniel. Uh, yes, sir. He's, he's been a roller coaster. 
He's had some really bad games. He's had some insane games in this playoffs. I highlighted him, I believe, after game one or game two, that all these games are blending together now. Uh, when he hit those those eight points in like 40 seconds to kind of uh, close the gap, and the Lakers were able to go on a run after that. Um, another great game for him, man. Six of 12 from the field, three of eight from three, 15 points, five assists. We all slandered him for the last three years. He was just there because he was a clutch client, we all said, just to lure LeBron in. It's just because he was LeBron's guy. And he's stepping up, and he's being the guy that we thought Danny Green would be. So, you know, hats off to KCP. Yeah, definitely, man. He's He's been great. He's been the third best player on this Lakers team. Really liked what I'm seeing out of him. Yeah, and then, I mean, Danny Green, you know, I kind of threw his name in there. He didn't actually have a bad game for once. He made two threes, which is kind of a – you know, a miracle for him, two of six. That's a great shooting night for Danny Green. Uh, four of eight from the field, 10 points, two assists. Um, but like I said, you know, KCP is being that guy we thought Danny Green would be. Danny Green only 21 minutes. I'm happy to see that they're not playing him as much. So mm-hmm. that's I promising. Agree with that. Especially when you have Rondo yep. and Caruso KCP. off the bench. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, Rondo, Caruso, and KCP combining for eight, combined for 81 minutes. I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, especially Danny Green, I mean. Is he really deserving of all 20 minutes? Probably not. Um, but his defense was good. His yeah. defense was really good. Um, I know AD took charge on Butler, and you know Danny Green was defending Jimmy Butler for a good part of the series to this point. Yeah. Um, everybody he was on, I mean, he, he took charge on Hero a couple times. He was on Duncan Robinson quite a bit. He, he looked fine on defense, just the offense, you know, <laughs> needs to improve. He's going to be in a Laker uniform pro- possibly for next year too. It's just... Well, and man, it's got to be fixed. We'll see about that. I mean, he's got the perfect contract to trade him away if the Lakers can find someone. Um, and then Kuzma, too. Kuzma was better on both sides of the ball tonight. Or not tonight. That was two nights ago now. Um, he's still one of those guys, though. I'm not going to trust a, a one-night performance. 19 minutes. He got fewer minutes than normal, but he did show an improvement. Um, if we can get that version of Kuzma in Game 5, great. Um, we obviously know that there's a different version of Kuzma that we might get. But I will say I am happy with how he played in Game 4. Are you? Yeah, he's looked great overall, man. Like on both ends of the floor, I, I just like his defensive intensity and just his overall effort. Like yeah. we kind of see him get lackadaisical at times during the regular season. Like as long as he's been a Laker, we've kind of seen that. Yeah. Um, but in the offensive end, you know, he's, he's being willing to shoot that three ball. He's driving to the hoop. He, he looks great, man, defensively especially. I mean, he, the knock on him has always been, you know, he, he's a gifted offensive player. He's pretty good around the rim. He's, you know, he's – he just plays under his size, which doesn't help him defensively. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of been, you know, throwing his body around, and I like to see it because that's really not his game. Yeah. And then uh, to wrap it up, you know, we're not talking about game four as much because I kind of wanted to do like a little retrospective thing. Um, I know we didn't write that on our outline, but I'll, I'll cue it up for us, Daniel. Um, our purple and gold players, I had Alex Caruso uh, doing Daniel's favorite things, doing things that don't show up in the box score. But he did still have seven points. He made one of two of his threes, three of five from the field. Um, just playing high effort defense, you know, making the, what did you say? If there was deflections, he would have average like double digits or something. He would lead the league. Yeah. He would lead the league in deflections if it were a stat. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's doing the things, you know, that we love to see. Uh, Dwight Howard surprisingly hasn't been a factor in the series. Like we thought he would be, especially after how big of a factor he was in the Western conference finals. I thought maybe with bam back, even he might even have a bigger role, kind of frustrating him down low, you know, kind of banging bodies down there. Only got eight minutes, uh, only took one field goal attempt. He missed it, two boards, um, and two turnovers and a personal foul. That was it. That's all he did. It was kind of a weird night for him. All right, I just looked something up, Jason. 
Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> NBA.com has a stat uh-huh. that, you know, is deflections. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to be super nitpicky here, but for players that played over 400 minutes this season. Okay. Alex Caruso. Oh, this is just in the bubble. Oh, no. Is it just in the bubble? Is it just the playoffs, maybe? Oh, it's just in the playoffs. Hmm. I could probably look at the regular season, too. Well, what's the but playoffs? But Alex Caruso leads, leads the entire NBA playoffs in deflections. You called it. You Rajon called it. Rondo is right behind. Man, you're a genius, yeah. Daniel. I just want to say that. <laughs> I'm curious to look at the regular season numbers now. They've got to be good, man. They've got to be good. Yeah, if you find that, let us know. Um, and then our purple players over on the Miami Heat. Uh, Daniel had Kendrick Nunn, a.k.a. Kendrick Dunn, um, because of uh, Goran Dragic being out. Uh, again, he just had another – he actually had a really bad night, only 2 of 11 from the field, 6 points. He did have 4 boards. Um, he had 1 foul. But, you know, we kind of said that he would have to maybe pick up 70% offensively what Dragic was doing, and I butcher his name every time. And tonight he actually got chances. He took 11 shots. That's by far the most he's taken since he took it over. And he just wasn't good tonight. He couldn't get his shots to fall. And if he gets some of his shots to fall, if he makes three more shots, you know, it's a completely different game. So not the performance they wanted out of him. And then I had Tyler Hero, who I believe scored the most points. I could be wrong. That he has in the NBA Finals, 21 points. 8 of 18 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. Had a decent offensive night. But I think the story is that LeBron fast break dunk that uh, he flopped on. And Tyler Hero just looked like a fish out of water. It was great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Also, I just found out regular season deflection stats here. Uh-huh. Among players, I played a thousand minutes this season, which is pretty much going right for like a starter, somebody that plays enough. Yeah, like uh, he ranked eighth in the league. Wow. Behind or with, you know, around elite defenders like Drew Holiday, DeJounte Murray, Matisse Thibel, Chris Dunn. Like, pretty good. He's got five point four deflections per game. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of those guys you mentioned play a lot more minutes than he did in the regular season as well. Because he averaged, what, like 15 minutes per game in the regular season? I could be wrong yep. on that. Yep. Yeah, he's actually ahead of Ben Simmons and Robert Covington and guys like Kawhi Leonard, even. Um, yeah, he averaged impressive. 18 minutes a game. Yeah, that is impressive. You were right, man. You looked this up. You looked it up a few, like a week ago. And then you, you set it up. <laughs> you set it up in our heads. Um, so that's game four. Game five. You know, we got to preview that. Uh, betting game four, both of us missed the under, I believe. Oh, yeah, it was the under. I picked the over. I thought it was going to be 124, 120. Uh, it was 102.97, so I couldn't have been more wrong about that. 102.96, excuse me. Um, but I got heat plus 7.5. I said it was going to be a close game. Daniel had Lakers minus 7.5. That did not hit, so that was a one in one day for me. I'm up to 19. Did you update the records yet? Are these updated? I did. Okay, so I'm up to 18 and 18. Daniel, 17 and 19. Daniel, this could be the last game that we pick of the podcast um, until next <laughs> season, obviously. You might lose. You might lose. Just accept it All now. Right. All right. Uh, the, <laughs> the lines for game five, Lakers minus seven, over under 216. Daniel, would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. I don't care. All right. Let's hear it. All right. So I'm going to go eh, kind of symmetrical to what uh, what I said for the last score. I said it was going to be 118-108. Okay. This time I'm, I'm going to go 115-105. So I'm going to have the Lakers still winning by 10. I'm going to drop the total a little bit. So I'm taking Lake or um, I am taking Lakers minus seven and a half or minus seven. And I'm taking the over to 16. Okay. So what I could do here is I could just pick the exact same thing as you, 
um, to ensure that I win. That would be a good strategy. Um, oh, boy. But I'm not going to do that. But I like Lakers minus seven. I really do, Daniel. Um, excuse my uh, sniffles if you hear any of them. My allergy season is up and away, and uh, it does not treat me well. Um, I like Lakers minus seven, but I don't want to copy you because that makes things not interesting. I have Lakers in five. I had that going into the series, so I think they're going to win. Is it going to be a close game? You know, I'll say this. I want it to be a close game because I don't want the stress. But, I mean, a close game is going to give me the stress. But I want that relief at the very end when the Lakers win a close game. Like, yes, they did it. Where if they're blowing out the heat, like, yeah, you'll get excited, obviously. The the Lakers just won the NBA Finals. But it's like, I don't know. I I just want that, like, release of joy. So I'm going to take heat plus seven. And I'm going to take, I think this is, oof. I think this is another gritty game. I think this is another gritty game. I'm going to take Lakers 101. This is a really low scoring game. Heat 97. 101, 97. So I have the under. So that's different. And then I have heat. I, I went different, both of them, Daniel. I'm really spicing oh, this up. Oh, all right. I'm really spicing this up. What happens if you go one and one? <laughs> well, then, oh, well. Uh, win by one game. Yes, I will. That'll make me feel great. That um, would be awful. We should mention too, Drogic. Drogic? Dro- say it for me. <laughs> Goran Drogic. Drogic. Goran Drogic is still doubtful for game five. Um, you know, I honestly didn't think he was going to play this entire series. And every game it's like, oh, he's trying to play. Oh, this. He's going to work out. Oh, that. Um, I don't think he's going to play, but I'm not a medical expert, as I've talked about on the pod before. So I would not take my word for it. Um, but if they don't have him, you know, that's obviously a huge uphill battle. If they get him, you know, maybe that could be a big difference. Maybe that's someone, you know, the Lakers haven't seen him this whole series. It's a, a, fre- a breath of fresh air, injects some energy out of him. I could see if he does play, assuming he can still contribute with his foot, um, I could see that really swinging in the Heat's favor and kind of stunning the Lakers a little bit. Not the whole series, but, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen. But I could see how that could extend it to a game six. Um, and most importantly, Daniel. Lakers are wearing the Mamba jerseys for game five. That makes me yes, feel they great. Are. That makes me yeah, feel fantastic. Nice. I don't think they've lost that's with the Mamba jerseys, right? No, they haven't. They're four and oh, gonna be going for five and oh in game five. So hopefully the Mamba's with them when they're playing on in game five. Is that uh that's gonna be Friday night, right? Tomorrow night? Yep, Friday night. Yep, tomorrow night as we're recording this on Thursday. Man, that's gonna be that's gonna be sweet if they can take it down in the Mamba jerseys. So you know, we have Dunn chain status here on our outline. I think, you know, they're still the Kendrick Dunn's. It's 3-1. They're not going to win three games in a row. I think you would agree with me. Um, I didn't take off the Dunn chain when it was 2-1. I'm not going to take it off after 3-1, even if it was a close game. I want to talk about the road to this to this championship. So, obviously, Laker fans are spoiled. I'm not going to pretend like the Lakers are like a poverty franchise. 16 championships multiple dynasties you have you know the jerry west era they only won one but jerry west is literally the logo elgin baylor one of the best players of all time to never win a ring you know wilt was there and then you have the showtime lakers you know another iconic era probably the second most popular basketball team dynasty behind jordan's bulls i would say um just in terms of you know nba allure um and then you get the shaq kobe lakers and you get the kobe powell lakers and now you get the lebron ad lakers um so it's, they're not a poverty franchise, but it's not a secret that over the last seven years or so, I believe it's seven years, this franchise has been run poorly. I mean, up until Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson took over, uh, they made bad moves with Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. You know, yeah, Nash got hurt, but they were both kind of 
I don't want to say Dwight was over the hill, but they knew his locker room problems, and then Nash was over the hill. Um, and then they also committed, I think, too much to paying Kobe late in his career, and that kind of hurt a lot of other things, couldn't pay other guys. Um, and then it was just a year of Robert Sacri and all those great players. Um, we had some good you know, highlights, Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams. D'Angelo Russell had his whole thing with Nick Young. Um, look, that was the, Lake- fun. <laughs> the Lakers were bottom feeders. They were, uh, what, what's the word? Basement dwellers. Is that the word? Um, bottom dwellers, I thought. Bottom dwellers, thought basement, yeah. Yeah, basement guys. Yeah, they were just, they were bad. They were, you know, it, it, it looked like there wasn't hope for a long time, honestly. I mean, we had the young core, but it, it was almost like the Lakers have been fantastic in developing, you know, late first and second round guys. It's like, but with the young core, you know, D'Angelo Russell, they traded him to get Lonzo Ball before he broke out. And then you had Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and all them. And it's like, oh, they'll be good in a few years. But there's always the doubt, like, are these guys actually going to be good enough? They need that star. And then you get LeBron. You know, I remember exactly. Do you remember where you were when LeBron James signed with the Los Angeles Lakers when that was announced? Because I remember the exact moment in time. Yeah, I was at home and I was like, oh, shoot. They they actually did pull the trigger. I remember seeing the Woj tweet and I told my dad and he's like, oh, the Lakers are back. Yeah, man. I mean, I've always been a huge LeBron guy. That's no secret. So I, it was huge news for me. I was right for LA Sports Hub at the time. There was all the LeBron speculation. The whole year before, it was like, oh, he's is he going to go to the Lakers? And we all should have seen it coming. Like, it was... I'm sure he wants to play for the Lakers. He wanted to play for, you know, a prestigious franchise. But I think it was 80% a lifestyle decision. I don't think, you know, a lot of Laker fans might, you know, like to admit that. Um, But the fact is LeBron can compete anywhere he goes. And I think he looked at L.A. and he looked at, you know, the movie industry and a place to raise his kids, all the private schools, you know, good basketball opportunities, all that. Um, So I think that really fueled his decision. And then plus it came down to, you know, if it's Lakers or Clippers, he wasn't going to go to the Clippers. Come on now. They blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. Um, yes, they did. <laughs> but so I just remember where I was. I know not a, not to flex or anything, but I was at a Disney World. Actually, I wasn't at Disney World that day. I was at a Universal Florida, Orlando. Just rode a roller coaster by myself. Uh, the Rip Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket. My girlfriend was too scared to ride it, you know. So shout out to her. You know, let me ride a roller coaster by myself. Um, <laughs> we even bought front of the line passes, and she wouldn't even wait in the front of the line pass to ride the roller coaster with me. How ridiculous is that, Daniel? Oh man. But I remember riding the coaster, kind of a scary coaster. Um, it's not like it didn't have no loops or anything, but when you go up, you're like going up like a spaceship. So I was like, oh, this is kind of scary. You know, rode it, had the time of my life, scream a little bit by myself, whatever, having the time of my life. Get off the coaster, walk to the Betty Boop shop, which is where she was, told me to meet her up. Go to the Betty Boop shop, and she said, Jason, I didn't have my phone with me. I just gave my phone and everything to her. And I was like, what? She's like, LeBron just signed with the Lakers. I was like, no, he didn't. Shut up. No, it was like July 1st. It was like the first day of free agency. And she's like, no, LeBron signed with the Lakers. And I got on my phone and I saw the news and then we went out to dinner. And the whole time we were on dinner, I did the terrible boyfriend thing. I was just sitting on my phone looking at everyone tweeting about LeBron being a Laker. I I remember saying like, no way. I can't believe this. No way. And it was just, it was a great time. It was a great moment in history, Daniel. So yeah, for sure. And then, you know, that first year, um, sorry to cut you off, but that first year, they were looking solid. I mean, what? They were fourth place in the West. They blew out the Warriors on Christmas Day. LeBron tears his groin. And I, I don't. Did he tear it or was it just a strain? I don't think. I it think was. he strained it. Yeah, a tear sounds a little more, uh, a little more serious. And then the the conversation became that second star. Is it going to be Paul George? Is it going to be Kawhi? Is it going to be AD? And it eventually was AD. Um, and that was also predictable. I remember hearing Bill Simmons say before the season, like he could totally see. LeBron's first year in LA being almost like a take it off year 
like, yeah, play, but, you know, he'll sit, like, 20 games for, like, a thumb injury. I remember him saying that specifically. Um, he'll sit 20 games. They won't make the playoffs. He'll kind of recharge because he had those finals runs, you know, eight years in a row where he's just racking up the mileage, waiting for that second star, and that's exactly what happened. They got that second star, and, you know, it's been a really fun year. It's been the funnest time to be a basketball a Lakers fan since, you know, 2010. I mean, some of Cody's later years were fun, but they didn't result in, you know, championships. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and quite frankly, for the first time since – Kobe's last game when he scored was a 61 or 62. I always get those numbers mixed up. I think it's 61. Um, it, it just, it feels good. You know, there's like something to feel good about. And I just want to, I want to highlight that for all the Laker fans that have been through a lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm one of those Laker fans who has absolutely followed the team. I'm not, I'm not some bandwagon fan, like just so the listeners know that I've been with the team since I was a little kid, man. I remember 2010 walking on the streets of San Francisco. Like I've probably referenced that on the podcast before. Like, I went through the days of Andrew Goudlock, Darius Morris, Ronnie Price, Carlos Boozer. Like, oh, Carlos you Boozer. name them, I remember them. You know, I've, I've been watching Laker basketball since I was a young kid. And to see the Lakers actually come back into prominence like this, it's, it's remarkable. I love what I'm seeing. Um, I never for one second thought that, you know, our young core was going to be what took us to the, uh, to the final. Someday I didn't really see anybody developing into, you know, a high caliber superstar. I think Brandon Ingram will be that eventually. Um, Mm -hmm. But nobody, nobody really impressed me, you know, over time I was always like, you know, we need a LeBron James. We need somebody like that. Uh, Now we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis who are two top five players in the league. Like those are the guys leading us to the finals again. It's really sweet, man. It really is because, you know, as a fan, you've put in so much time, into this team and you know so much blood sweat and tears <laughs> as a yeah in terms of fanhood goes you know that finally you're getting rewarded yeah um and, you know you look up just lakers starting lineups from those years like because there's times where people were injured and they had some you know absurd lineups i don't know exactly the date that this is from it's just a picture on google uh, it was an article by fadeaway world um but it is a starting lineup what is the final score between this Lakers team and this starting lineup, Daniel? Just a five on five, just all starters. Starting five of Kendall Marshall, Jody Meeks, Kent Bazemore, Ryan Kelly, and Jordan Hill versus these Lakers. They're beating them by 50. <laughs> I would say that the line would be like Lakers minus 25. <laughs> Current Lakers minus 25, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and then another picture, Jordan Clarkson, who this was before he was like really solid, but he, I always liked Jordan Clarkson. He was just always kind of like that underdog. Um, Jordan Clarkson, Wayne Ellington, Ryan Kelly, Tariq Black, Robert Sacre. I mean, just historically bad, bro. Wesley Johnson, that's another one. Steve Blake, remember him? Steve Nash, old Steve Nash. So not like prime Steve Nash. Um, It was bad, man. There were some bad stretches there. And it's just, it feels good. It it really does feel good. Yeah, I'm looking at actual Sporkle quiz from some of these lineups. I mean... Wow. <laughs> you know that 2012-2013 team like wasn't a bad starting lineup. It was Dwight, Powell, Meta, Kobe and Nash. And then the next yeah. year you go to Jordan Hill, Gasol, Wesley Johnson, Jody Meeks and Kendall Marshall. Like, oh man. Oh man. I mean Jeremy Lane was there. Oh, Roy oh. Hibbert, Timofey Mozgov. Oh, Mozgov and Dang, bro. Those were the two two of the worst contracts, you know, I've seen in recent NBA history, it was a uh, Mitch Kupchak signed him, and that oh, should have put them back many, many years. And you know, luckily they were able to 
uh, trade Mozgov. I'm those guys. I, shoot, I was I was pretty young, man, and I kind of understood the dynamics of the NBA. And I remember saying, "We really just paid Mozgov and Dang that much to probably not be very good." And the only reason Cupcheck went hog wild was because of everything that was going on with Kobe. You know, he felt like he had to spend money to try to get the team into some kind of you know contention. Obviously, that didn't work. Yeah. But he was not the only only GM that saw the Lakers or saw the NBA uh, cap expand as much as it did yeah and just go crazy with the spending there are guys that got some enormous contracts like one that comes off the top of my head is chandler parsons yeah like <laughs> wow these guys are making 20 million a year to do absolutely nothing yeah um so mozgov signed a four-year 64 million dollar contract dang's was four years 72 million so a combined what is that? $136 million over four years for Luol Deng and Timothy Moskov. And this isn't like hindsight is twenty twenty. They started sucking. You know, like Luol Deng was a good role player. He was not a $72 million man. The year before he joined the Lakers, he averaged 12 points, uh, six boards, two assists. Like he was a good role player. He hadn't been an all-star since 2012, 2013. He was all-star twice. Um, he was on the wrong side of 30. You know, obviously, I don't think anyone expected him to literally drop off into, like, unplayable levels. But still, you don't pay a role player. You don't pay, you know, Rajon Rondo $72 million. You just don't. And then Mozgov, Mozgov was a different story. At least Luol Deng, at least at one point, was an all-star. I, I don't know what the thinking was with Mozgov. Um, I don't remember ever watching Mozgov and being like, wow, that guy's good. Like, <laughs> I just don't. Um, he was bad the year before with the Cavs. You know, he wasn't bad, but he had six points, three boards, three boards, not three boards, 4.4 boards as a center, as a seven-foot center. Um, he was that classic big man that just got better because he was playing alongside LeBron James. There's so many examples of that. Um, and what do you know? He was mediocre on the Lakers, and then he had to be traded. And then he played one year on the Nets, and now he's not in the league. So that's just crazy. I can't believe they did that. Yeah, that's just <laughs> that's just so stupid. Like, how stupid can you be? Worst NBA contracts of all time. Those have to be up there. They definitely do. Let's see. This is a Bleacher Report article ranking the worst uh, contracts in NBA free agency history. This is written by Kerry Miller, July 2nd, 2018. I'm just going to go all the way to the bottom here. Uh, sorry to the author for not reading the whole thing. Uh, number one, Isaiah Thomas. Oh, no. This is the incredibly poor decisions of Isaiah Thomas. Signed Eddie Curry to a six-year, sixty million. Signed Jared Jeffries to five-year, thirty million. Signed Jerome James five years, thirty million. So this is just a bad a bunch of bad decisions by Isaiah Thomas when he was with the Knicks. Uh, Chandler Parsons, number two, four years, ninety-four million. Oh my God, ninety-four million dollars for Chandler Parsons who had like one good playoffs. Like I think that's all he did. That's so crazy. That's insane. Number three, Richard Lewis. Six years, 118 million. Jesus. Um, Joakim Noah, four years, 72 million in 2016. <laughs> I'm looking at Gilbert Arenas in 2007. He only played a handful of games after he signed a six-year, 111 million dollar deal, and he got into an armed like standoff with. Remember Javaris Crittenden? Yeah. <laughs> He's in prison right now for murder. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, number eight was Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng. Four years, $136 million combined.
Like what GM, what GM looks at that and is like, I can get Lou Aldang and Timothy Mozgov for almost $140 million. And that's going to put us over the edge. Like Kobe's great. Don't get me wrong. But he was also like 37 at this point. Like, okay, so I have this all-time great player who's, you know, obviously in the last few years of his career, you know, maybe what he needs is like a second star that can kind of, you know, kind of like AD LeBron, you know, maybe take the torch and kind of pass it along. And I don't remember exactly what free agency looked like that year. I just know it was Kevin Durant. That was pretty much it, um, just in terms of the marquee star. Um, he just looks at it. He's like, yeah, let's pay them $140 million. They're going to take us to the promised land. Luol Deng and Timothy Moskov. Like, what? Why not just have the cap space? Why are te- – like, I-, I think it's getting better, but I feel like, especially when the cap rose, it's like GMs didn't want cap space for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I-, I just think they didn't understand it, you know? It got hit – it hit them all at once that they didn't understand the actual financials of it. Yeah. Man, I'm looking at the Yard Barker rankings right now. Uh-huh. I found one for Tom King. Never heard of him. With the Detroit Falcons in 1946, they're saying one of the worst contracts in NBA history. He signed a one-year $16,000 deal, uh-huh. but the NBA salary cap that season was only $35,000. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he took up half the cap, and he shot 24% from the field. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. Just a little tidbit for uh, NBA fans. Tom King. Look him up. All right. So these were uh, 2016 free agents. So this was, yeah, the, the offseason of Luol Deng and Timothy Moskov. We had Kevin Durant, two years, $54 million. We had LeBron James, three years, $100 million. But LeBron always did those, like, player options where he would just have an option after every year. Andre Drummond, five years, $130 million. Um, Al Horford, Mike Conley, DeMar DeRozan, Bradley Beal, five years, $128 million. They paid more for Luol Deng and Timothy Moskov than Bradley Beal got. Um <laughs> Nicholas Batum, uh, good thing. Five years, $120 million. That's not a good contract. Hassan Whiteside, nope. not a good contract. Dwayne Wade, Dwight Howard, Tim Duncan. Okay, so there wasn't, like, a lot of big stars, but, I mean, still. <laughs> it's still not good. Yeah. And I Man, mean, that's crazy. I mean, they gave, you know, I just said I loved him. He was almost like the underdog. But they gave Clarkson $50 million. <laughs> like, Jordan Clarkson, again, like I said, I love him. He's like an underdog. He is not a $50 million player. And good thing for him. I'm glad he got that money. Like, you know, take your money. I'm never going to fault a player for signing, you know, a big contract. Like, it's not their fault. I would take the most money, too. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm only worth $30 million. You know, pay me $30 million. But, man, dude. Eric Gordon for $53 million. He's better than Luol Deng. And they paid Luol Deng $20 million more. Yep. Crazy. That's wild, man. How did? How? Did, oh man, who's he? He's the GM of the the Hornets now, right? Mitch Kupchak. Yeah, yeah, and that's why they absolutely suck, and they just gave Rozier like a max contract. Jesus, yeah, they let uh, Kemba Walker walk. I, I don't want to say let. I mean, he might have just wanted to leave, but Kemba Walker goes and signs a big contract somewhere else. So they're like, okay, let's sign Terry Rozier to whatever contract. <laughs> I do. He got paid like near max money, if not max money. Let's see. Uh, he is according to Spot Rack. So Batum, that was before Cupcheck, so I won't give him crap for that one. Twenty-five mil. Terry Rozier is making twenty million dollars this year. Oh, okay, so not as much as I thought, but that's near but, max for how long he's been in the league, and he's not good. <laughs> yeah, again, he had like one good playoff run 
where he was like that gritty guy who took over when Kyrie was hurt, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, he scored oh, 18 points a game, oh. but, I mean, he's not he's not a needle pusher. He's not – if he is a role player, if he was, like, the fourth best player on the Lakers and he was making, like, $9 million, fantastic. Sign me up. Uh, as the best player yeah. making $20 million, No. <laughs> just no. That's um, crazy. That's so crazy. You know, and I just keep having this one mo- – like, to wrap it all up, I keep having this one epiphany in my head. Like, this one – like, I'm picturing the Lakers winning. You know, I'm trying to visualize it, put it into the universe so it happens – I picture LeBron winning. Obviously, well, not just LeBron, but the Lakers winning. I don't think LeBron cries like he does for the Cavs, you know, when he, like, kind of dropped down and cries. But, you know, his whole, like, Cleveland, this is for you when he yelled that. I, I just mm-hmm. keep picturing that moment. But instead of saying Cleveland, they he says Kobe. It's, like, the exact same kind of moment. Like, I don't know. I get yeah. chills thinking about it. You know what I mean? Chills. Chills. Like, I, I don't want to, I, I was going to do an impression, but I'm terrible at impressions. I don't want to embarrass myself. But yeah, him just like screaming, like, you know, Kobe, this one's for you or whatever. Um, if I was LeBron's in publicist, the- like, yeah, <laughs> I would uh, definitely tell him to do that. Just not just like kind of keep the consistency, like do the Cleveland thing, then do the Kobe thing. Like that's a moment, you know? So yeah, I don't know, man. I keep picturing it. Um, it feels weird. I will say that. You know, they're one win away from the NBA Finals, uh, winning the NBA Finals, I should say. Um, I think it's just because of the bubble and, it, you know, playoff baseball is going on, football is going on. It's just, like I said before, it feels weird. So I don't think it's fully synced in yet that the Lakers are about to be champions. Um, and I don't think it will until I see it, you know, hosting the Larry O'Brien trophy. Um, but, man, you know, I'm not as nervous as I thought I would be when they're one win away. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So... I don't know. We'll see. Friday night, 6 p.m., I believe, uh, Pacific. I could be wrong on that. They've won every game that's played at 6 p.m., but they lost at 4.30, so hopefully it's at 6 p.m. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 6, and then game 6 is at 4.30. Uh, we don't need a game 6. Uh, Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm sure all Laker fans will be watching. Hopefully the Dodgers win tonight, Thursday. That way there's no uh, you know clashing games going on there. Uh, all of L.A. can just be focused on the Lakers. Um you know, we'll be coming back at you over the weekend, hopefully with a celebratory episode. I don't know what that's going to look like, but we'll see. It's going to have me singing the our outro song at the end. I know that if they win. <laughs> yes, it is. In the meantime, go Lakers. I, I be balling every day. 